Welcome to Distrust and Disparities, Dismantling Black Health Disparities podcast. We examine health disparities that disproportionately affect Black women and Black families. In addition, we amplify organizations and individuals working to dismantle racist health practices and systems to improve health outcomes for marginalized communities. I'm your host, Jasmine Moore, a registered nurse, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Camille White. Black women are four times more likely to die than their white counterparts with the same symptoms. Why is that? In this episode, we share our thoughts and opinions about Aftershock, a documentary highlighting the Black maternal mortality crisis in the U.S., This film showcases the advocacy efforts of Black families who have lost loved ones due to preventable childbirth complications. All right, welcome back to another episode of Distrust and Disparities. Last week, we had our 30th episode, and on that episode, we had the wonderful Dr. Carter on, and we received so much love and praise for her expertise. I received so many like compliments and emails. So if there is somebody you want to have on the show, if there's topics you want us to cover, please email us or comment on our social media. So just wanted to shout that out that was our 30th episode and also our first guests. And we hope to have many more. If you want to be a guest on the show, please let us know. On this week's episode, we want to talk about the Black maternal health crisis. As this podcast, we are centered on focusing on issues that affect Black women and also Black families. The Black maternal health crisis is always at the forefront of health disparities that are affecting Black women. It is up there. And Want to start off, awareness of the Black mental health crisis is increasing. More people are aware of the fact that Black women are three to four times more likely to die in childbirth in the U.S. And many women and families have been sharing their personal stories. And also there's countless organizations that have been shedding light on the disheartening statistics. They're working to bring about change, but unfortunately, recent statistics have come out from the CDC that shows that pregnancy continues to be dangerous for Black women. Like the pandemic may have made it worse, but even some countries, you know, the pandemic things worsened, but they have gotten better. But unfortunately, right here in the U.S., there's no signs overall that things are getting better. and. Looking at the CDC's data, I just wanted to start with the definition of maternal death, because I don't believe we talked about it here on the podcast, but maternal death is defined as the death of a person during or within 42 days of pregnancy due to causes related to pregnancy. I know for me, Camille, I didn't know that it included the 42 days after birth. So that was um, new information for me. I definitely didn't know that either, because you would think at that point you would sort of be in the clear. You know, 42 days is a long time 
especially mm-hmm. like given that you've just had a newborn and you, you, there's a lot going on, but the fact too, that like, that's still considered like the danger zone is crazy. Yeah. It just shows that we need to be closely monitoring moms after they give birth. Cause even after you have like a C-section, you're discharged within one to two days after. It's just like any other surgery, you're at risk for like other complications. So we need to be closely keeping an eye on them. Mm-hmm. In 2021, there were 1,205 deaths among pregnant people due to maternal causes reported to the CDC. That's compared with 861 deaths in 2020 and 754 in 2019. That's an overall increase of approximately 60%. For Black women, the rate was 69.9 deaths per 100,000 live births compared to 26.6 per 100,000 in whites. So as you can see, the rates are exponentially higher for Black women. And we don't make up the majority of the population, but just the rate of maternal deaths is, like we said, three to four times higher. And the statistics, it is not changing, despite having awareness. Kamala Harris, the vice president, she's brung awareness to Congress, but Nothing is changing. It just shows like the system is broken. Like, I want to know what is being done. What is working? How can we take what is working and add that to the system and make it nationwide to help? Nobody should have to suffer like this. No, we're talking about preventable deaths. We're Mm -hmm. not saying that, you know, we'll get to some perfect world where everyone survives childbirth and there's never a single complication and there's never an issue. Like that just isn't possible. That isn't feasible. But what is, is us listening to birthing people, listening especially to black Mm -hmm. and brown birthing people and acknowledging that we have like such failing statistics compared to other people. And in general, the U.S. is just abysmal compared to all other industrialized countries, countries that we should be right neck at neck with the same rates. Like we look like it's just like we don't care. We truly don't care. The system doesn't care Mm because the system wasn't built to care about us. It cares about white women because as people have always pointed out, like if these numbers were reflective of what was happening to white women in the U.S., oh, mm-hmm. everybody and their mama would know about it. Everybody would all of a sudden give a damn and things would have been done to make sure that we aren't at the point that we are now where even recently seeing how like we have numbers that are back to like the 70s. It was yeah. safer for like our parents, our moms, our, like that generation to have kids than it is for us now to have kids. How ridiculous is that? Right. And we need to examine, you know, what is changing, what is going on, and we'll get more into it once we get into talking about um, what we learned in the documentary. But overall, addressing the issues that's going on with Black women will help to greatly improve the health outcomes for all women. Because 
no woman should have to suffer from these preventable causes. We need to have things in place that will make it safer for all people who are bringing children into this world. Just the way we care about pregnant women, people bringing in the next generation, it just shows how we care about our health as a whole. And it's just like, just because it's not as bad for you as it is for other people does not mean it can't be better, if you get what I'm saying. No, like, I get what you're saying. It can be, <laughs> we can greatly improve the health outcomes for everyone. You should have access to more options, mm-hmm. such as doulas, midwives. Improving the health outcomes for Black women will greatly improve the health and livelihood of everyone in this country. If we address what's going on in the maternity world, that will have a ripple effect onto other areas. And we just want to point out that every year during the week of April 11th to the 17th, the Black Mamas Matter Alliance holds their annual Black Maternal Health Week. The goal of the initiative is to bring awareness, activism, and community building to amplify the voices, perspectives, and lived experiences of Black mamas and birthing people. The theme for this year is Our Bodies Belong to Us, Restoring Black Autonomy and Joy. And that's such a powerful theme. And the theme encompasses the need for practices and solutions that incorporate the true needs, wants, and desires of Black women and birthing people. And it also speaks to the overturning of Roe v. Wade and the relentless attacks against reproductive rights and bodily autonomy. The theme, it just points to listening to what women want, period. That's it. Listening to what women want. And honestly, birth should be a joyful experience. But unfortunately, because so many people are trying to intervene and interject with what the body does naturally, what we have been doing for years, like we're ignoring our history, many women and families are suffering. Yeah. Unnecessary suffering because. And we'll talk about it too in the documentary pointed out, but you have all these advancements in technology. So why is that not translating into improved health outcomes and improved rates? It's like the more advanced we get with technology, the way in which it's then being used and over-medicalizing a lot of different medical procedures and things that shouldn't even really be medical at a certain point. Like mm-hmm. birth became over-medicalized and you can say you have this new tool and this technology, but like, why are so many people dying? Can exactly. you figure out like what the f- correlation or whatever it is there? Because your new tool isn't fixing anything. And it's also because like, there's always going to be human error and the human error is racism. It's always rooted in racism. It's rooted in the fact that so many black and brown birthing people have so many stories about being ignored or dismissed or talked down to when they go to hospitals to give birth. 
And mm-hmm. you can't you can't ignore patients. You need to listen to them. They're telling you what's wrong with them. Like you're not dealing with a child who can't talk and you have to figure out, okay, what's the issue? Like they're telling you, you're just not listening. Exactly. Have you checked out our website? There you can find all of our episodes and show notes. You can even listen directly on the site and catch up on any previous episode you may have missed. You can read our bios and see what we're up to. Also, we made it even easier to contact us. Just fill out the form on our homepage and click submit. We invite you to recommend guests and topics we should feature. So what are you waiting for? Go check us out at distrustanddisparities.com. So for this week's episode, we decided to watch the documentary Aftershock just so that we can learn more about the maternal health crisis. And I know I just wanted to point out as I start the documentary, I know that it's about, it's going to be about a family losing a mother and childbirth. And it's just like, I just have this feeling where I'm just like, no, no, I just don't want it to happen. But I just know it's going to happen. Like you see these beautiful smiling women, they look so loving, so caring. And it's just like, no, why does it have to happen? And the documentary is called Aftershock because it examines the ripple effect that occurs after losing um, a woman to childbirth or a birthing person and childbirth. The initial earthquake would be losing the person to childbirth. And then next is dealing with that loss. Not only do you have to deal with the loss of your partner, you also have to deal with raising a child without their parent, raising them without your significant other grieving and things like that and just how that looks. And also just dealing with like your grief, your anger. If this was from like a preventable cause, you also have to deal with pushing back against the hospital so that other women don't have to go through the same thing. So it's just so many aftershocks and it's constantly felt. So like Jasmine said, yeah, it's a devastating loss and once you experience that, it's all these other aftershocks that you have to deal with and just trying to cope and move forward with your life and now raise this child and maybe other children that you have together without your significant other. So the film focused on two fathers in particular, Omari and Bruce and their loss. So first they started off with Shamani Makiba Gibson And she and her partner, Omari, lived in Brooklyn, New York. And for her, this was going to be her second child. And she ended up having a C-section. And so that went all right. She went home and then started experiencing some chest pain, shortness of breath after giving birth. And they kept sort of in checkups with the doctor or over the phone, letting them know, like, this is what she's experiencing. Something is off. Something is wrong. And it was pretty much a situation of, it's like, oh, that's just normal. That's typical, you know, nothing to really worry about. Just, it was all taken so lightly. And unfortunately, Shimani didn't survive because her experiencing that chest pain, that shortness of breath, like it was a big deal. It was a huge issue. 
And it just goes to show that like, it's a clear moment of so many times when we aren't being listened to. Uh And the film really highlights how after that significant loss, Shamani's mother, Shawnee Gibson and Omari are both like working together to advocate and speak on behalf of Shamani because she's no longer here. And her mom who even worked at the hospital that she had the C-section at for Mm. years and like received some like little half-ass like, oh, our mortality rate is so low compared to everywhere else. And we're so sorry. And that was basically it. That was their only real acknowledgement of what happened. But Shawnee has been advocating since then on behalf of her daughter to raise awareness about the maternal mortality crisis And Omari even is an artist and even talks about how Shamani was his muse. And he takes that opportunity to then, because he is an artist, he has portraits that he's painted all over the house of her. And then he also has worked with other fathers who have experienced the same loss as him, similar loss as him, and painted portraits of their loved ones and is creating a sort of network and support system so fathers have, you know, each other to lean on when they're going through such a devastating loss as losing their significant other. To again, a uh, preventable complications when like if they had just listened yeah. and heard mm-hmm. that Shamani wasn't feeling well. Like it should have been like, okay, come in, we'll let's run some tests. Let's see what's up. Yeah. Or just further investigate into the symptoms. Yes, giving birth and raising a newborn is an exhausting problem, but explore like when she's saying I'm having chest pain and constant shortness of Mm -hmm. breath, like look deep into it. Like when is it coming? Because if she's just having shortness of breath while she's sitting down, like feeding her baby, they'd be like, hey, that's not normal. But I got to say, maybe you're like Mm -hmm. walking up the stairs, doing things that's tying you out more quickly, but investigate into this. Because by the time they come to the hospital, it's too late. It was a blood clot. So at that point, it expanded or it got to that level where it was nothing that they can do about it. And then she ended up passing. But just having her come into the office, just doing a checkup, laying eyes on the person. She had a C-section. This is a major surgery. So Mm -hmm. with a major surgery, there's risk of, like I said, blood clot. You could nick another organ, bleeding. There needs to be follow-up. Their concerns need to be taken seriously because we see what happens when they don't. A family Mm -hmm. loses a mother, a daughter, a sister. It has a severe effect and consequences. And the second family that they focused on was the father, Bruce, and his partner, Amber Rose Isaac. They were from Bronx, New York. And Amber, she started having some dizziness and suffering from headaches in her second trimester. And she kept telling her doctor, I'm having dizziness and headaches. And they just kept telling her, it's fine, it's fine. And they didn't do anything. Bruce and Amber, they looked into um, what could be causing it. And then they also hired a midwife. And the midwife, she immediately pointed out that based off her like lab work, there was a significant decrease in her platelet count. Like as she's getting like her blood work drawn, like it's 
steadily dropping and like platelets that helps with like your clot information and that's in your blood. By the time she went to the doctors and she presented them with that information, they diagnosed her with a very severe complication. It's called the HELP syndrome. Um, She ended up having to have a C-section, but because her platelet count was so low, she bled out and she ended up dying. And her boyfriend, he he expressed like as he's going to the hospital, he's getting like all these microaggressions from staff. And the one that stood out, security was like, Mr. Baby Daddy, you can stay right here. Like little statements and comments like that really like this is supposed to be a positive experience, but you're you're not listening to the mom. You're not listening to the family about what's going on. And then when she passed, you know, it's like, oh, my gosh. But it's like, had you listened before taking what she was saying seriously in the beginning, this could have been prevented. Yeah, because the midwife who they reached out to immediately saw that her platelet count was low and was just like, oh, y'all need to go to the hospital immediately. Like, I can't even intervene at this point. Like, you need to go and seek their care immediately. Which is just like, why does it take her looking at something that y'all been looking at all along? And they showed it too of like, it just kept dropping and Lower. dropping and dropping and dropping. Every time she was getting her blood drawn, it's just like, y'all didn't care about this woman. Mm-hmm. Y'all didn't care about her at all. She's symptomatic. Mm-hmm. When you're pregnant, they have certain levels of your blood work where you want it at. And it's like, you need to listen to her symptoms, do your exam, and also you're drawing blood work. Why aren't you looking at these? test results. Mm-hmm. It's just sad. And her partner, Bruce, I know in April 22, they filed a lawsuit against the hospital for medical negligence. So I'm curious to see what comes out of this lawsuit and what is being done. And then additionally, he was also, he's been working with the other Father Amari, and they've been hosting support groups and just getting together with other fathers just to discuss what's going on, just to be each other's support system. And a lot of the men, they just said they felt helpless during this process. They, you know, they want to come up with ways how can we support each other and also how can we affect policies to prevent this from happening. And Another part of the documentary, they look at what goes on with hospital births. And they have one of the doctors that's working on um, something called team births and just changing the way hospitals are set up. And he said, the well-being of mothers is the bellwether of health and society. So every injustice that shows up in society, it starts with maternal health. And like we pointed out, like their awareness of the maternal health crisis is increasing. So in 2018, that was like the first year the U.S. started to like seriously track maternal mortality rates. That just seems so late. Like, why are you waiting until 2018 to finally be like, oh, we should be paying attention to these statistics and we should really be focusing in on what's happening, where is it happening, why is it happening, to then actually affect change. Like, 2018? Y'all only really officially started tracking in 2018. What were y'all doing the rest of the time? 
Yeah, it seems crazy that this data was not like seriously tracked before then. So now now we have the data and we see how bad it is. And some of the correlations that they found is here in the U.S., surgery is used 500 times more. I think it was since like the 1970s. So Mm -hmm. with birth, we intervene 500 times more. And it just shows Black women are have the highest number of C-sections. And there's this algorithm that they use to calculate the odds of having like a successful vaginal birth. And they noticed like, mind you, there's only like, I think like three other options. I want to do like a separate episode on this. And when you plug in the race for like African-American, it automatically like decreases your success rate of having a vaginal birth. And it's just like, this algorithm has to be outdated. How is this algorithm being used to, you know, calculate like the success of your vaginal birth? And in the hospital system, like if you listen to our past episodes where we covered like um, the history of midwives and also the James Marion Sims episodes, a woman's body is designed to naturally push out a baby. So when we are inducing a labor, when we're having like C-sections, yes, C-sections can save lives, but a lot of times they aren't medically necessary. And I liked how the documentary pointed out, we're trying to rush the process of birth Mm because a birth, it can naturally take hours, but if that's what's needed for the baby to come out, That's what we need to do. But we're trying to speed up the process with interventions that may not be necessary. And I want to point out some of the statistics and information that the documentary shed light on. So they said the shorter the labor is, the less it will cost the hospital. So they said the average birth can take, I believe, we'll put some graphics on our social media the average birth can be eight to 10 hours plus. And the cost of a C-section is cheaper than a vaginal birth in the hospital. But hospitals get paid 50% more for a C-section. They're getting paid to do something quicker, but what they're doing quicker is in a way cutting corners because you're doing a major surgery on someone that doesn't actually need it. And so already there, there's so many questions and I have so much concern over like, if they don't medically need it, there's so many risks involved. And then on top of that, you have racism. So you're providing these unnecessary, huge surgeries and procedures on someone and then ignoring them when they're telling you after they've had these surgeries, I'm having complications. I don't feel well. Something's not right. I don't feel well in my body. Mm -hmm. I know something's wrong. And you keep dismissing them and telling them it's fine. It's okay. That's just a normal part of the experience. So it's just like they're being rewarded to just quickly pump out all these babies and get you out of the operating room and onto another, uh, onto another mother birthing person, onto another baby, because like they trying to make that money, which is like, this is the system we're supposed to rely on and have trust in. That's insane. Our whole hospital system is set up wrong. You're basically incentivizing hospitals to do more C-sections. 
And they pointed out, if you look at the way labor and delivery units are set up, they're set up to resemble cardiac ICUs. So you're connected right to the OR. So you have all these surgeons on call mm-hmm. to basically intervene yeah. with what can be taking place naturally. Yeah. When instead it should be, you should be surrounded by midwives and doulas. You should be surrounded mm-hmm. by a network of people that are listening with you, working with you to help you as naturally as possible, bring this baby into the world safely. And if you need an intervention, medically necessary intervention, then they step in and do that. But only if you truly need it. And I can understand that, yes, you know, with vaginal labor, it can take longer. So therefore it would cost more. It's the whole situation, though, of just capitalism and how the society is set up and how this country's whole healthcare system is set up. And we shouldn't have to pay for healthcare. Healthcare is a human right. And it should be our human right to have babies however we want to have them and have them safely. I shouldn't have to be worried about the cost of my medical bill and how am I going to pay for that because, oh, I decided to have a child. Yeah, that part of the documentary was just so eye-opening. Like The whole system needs to be changed. And another part of the documentary... They gave us a tour of a birthing center and it was like night and day compared to a hospital. The C-section rate at the birthing center was severely lower. And they said, we're here to wait it out till that baby is able to come. We're waiting for the baby. It's designed, it's set up like, it looks like a bedroom. Like you're able to give birth naturally they're like we're next to a park so if we need to walk you can go outside to walk so that we can get this baby to come out naturally as possible and then they even showed the woman she's given birth she's she gave birth on her side women you know that whole putting your legs up in a sternups and things like that that's not no. natural that is not natural at all It was when men were forcing their way into this and into controlling our bodies. And it's like, well, I want to be able to sit in a chair and like you lay on your back and throw your legs up. And it's just like women like, no, they weren't having babies that way. Like, that's not what people were doing, Mm -hmm. you know, thousands and thousands of years ago. It was like whatever position felt comfortable. You need to maneuver and do whatever. But like you said, at the birthing center, it was like you could be in the bed. You could be on your side. You could be standing up. You could be in the bath. You could just what works for Mm -hmm. you. What will make you the most comfortable? That way you feel your best. And that way this whole process can go as smoothly as possible instead of like, yeah, it makes no sense that position that so many birthing people are forced into because like that's what works for the doctors it's like i'm gonna need you if you need to put on some knee pads put on some knee pads and figure it out because maybe i need to be crouching on the floor i don't know but like you're forcing someone into an unnatural position because it's what works best for you when you aren't the priority here the patient is Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah i really enjoy seeing that tour of the birthing center and how it's set up and how It's basically designed to support women and what they want and how they want to give birth. But 
unfortunately, insurance does not pay for any portion, like if you choose to give birth at a birthing mm-hmm. center, which I think is It's insane. crazy because like, again, if you're looking at their rates of just success, success. their success yeah. rates is just like, you should be supporting that. You should be covering that. And I remember, and this is a birthing center in Oklahoma that they focused on where that state alone has like just terrible, I think they ranked like bottom five for the Mm -hmm. maternal mortality rates that they have in this country. But I remember too, when they said, okay, with you coming to us at this point in time, blah, 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 they said it was three grand. And honestly, the thing is that amount is not a lot because in other situations I know of people have insurance and it's supposed to be good insurance they're paying that much money mm-hmm. after insurance covers, you know, all the other things that like a hospital has put on a long laundry list of like, here's all the things that we've done for you and paid for where there's so many times I've seen people pointing out that they're charging them like $18 per pill for Tylenol or something like that. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. When, yeah, that birthing center, like you said, was night and day and it was all focused on the care of the mom and what she needed and how even one little thing that was so interesting of like, oh, here's like a suture kit that we end up having to throw these away because they expire before we end up using them because we take our time. We go at the Mm -hmm. pace that your body is trying to go at to give birth. And so we don't need to sew you up because you're naturally expanding like you should. We're not forcing you to get to that point. It's just... Mm-hmm. That should be what all people have access to. That should be the default, a birthing center where you're prioritized, what your body needs and your baby needs is prioritized. And then medical interventions, if need be. Yeah. And there's going to be a, well, we might already be at their point. Like there's not enough OBGYN doctors. A lot of people, you know, because the, number of women that are dying. Some people are choosing not to do birth. So we're, there's not that many um, healthcare providers, especially if you live in like a rural area, you may not have access. The nearest hospital might be like miles, miles away. So there's this need for other options to give birth. And they said, if 85% of women are able to give birth naturally, there should be naturally and safely, they should be able to do it, say, outside the hospital. And if we are training practitioners to understand, oh, this is not going as well as it needed, they come to the hospital and they do. But if they're able to safely deliver outside the hospital, we need to explore those options. And the documentary, they had a Black midwife on and she was just sharing her experience just working in the hospital. And she pointed out like, The U.S. compared to Europe, Europe has integrated midwives into their healthcare system. And here in the U.S., there's like this lack of partnership between providers here. And I don't get if it's working over there. Why aren't we trying to bring this over here? Because it's all about control and just what happened with Roe v. Wade and it's the same nonsense over and over again of you want to claim that you're pro-life. If you were pro-life, then like midwives would be at the forefront of birth in this country. They would be the ones that would be ushering in babies and 
we wouldn't have hospitals having such a huge effect and control over it. Because it's a whole thing, too. The Black midwife you're talking about, she explained it as in midwifery, you get this sort of shared decision-making model where you're working with your patient. You're working together to achieve, you know, a healthy, safe delivery. But in hospitals, they typically are working with a medical, technocratic, patriarchal model where it's like, yeah, men are in control. And okay, like you said, with the the ORs being right there on a maternity war and surgeons are all around, like they are the ones going, okay, we're going to cut in and cut open and this is how it's going to go and nothing's being explained and you're not actually giving the patient the full picture so they can have a full understanding of okay what are my options what what is actually going to be best for me it's it's just working against us in such a terrible way where women have been you know the ones at the forefront of helping other women give birth for forever so of course, you know, when men decided to stick their way in and butt in, things got worse. They got so much worse and they've only just gone downhill even more, especially mm-hmm. recently. And it's just so frustrating because they also even pointed out too, like the fact that you have a lot of people of color, black and brown women going to clinics where you're getting residents over at the clinics who sort of need practice. They need to get, you know, some experience under their belt. And as she called it, it's like a marrying of over-medicalization and inexperience. It's like the same thing is happening over and over. Because Black women and women of color are going to hospitals, they're going to clinics, and they're being served by residents, those who are learning and train it. And they want to get that experience of surgery. And I was watching like a YouTube or I think we brought it up in a previous episode. It was like one OBGYN provider. She had never seen just like a natural birth, just without any surgical techniques, interventions. She was like, this is my seeing my first natural delivery. So we're just training all these new doctors just to rely on technology. That's all they know is just how to cut women up. That's what they're being trained to practice and experience. And this is just continuing on. Like it should be the opposite. Like I remember when I was doing maternity and I was at a smaller hospital and they didn't have as many women coming in to give birth. And I didn't see like a natural birth. I ended up sitting in on like a C-section. And I think it all stems from too, like hospitals are big business. It's all about making money and they'll make more money if they can cut you open and rip the baby out that way instead of having a natural birth or instead of you staying in your home or going to a birthing center. It's all about money because the normal thing has become you go to a hospital. People look at you crazy. And even now, but I know even years ago, it was like, you're trying to do a home birth? What's wrong with you? You're crazy because it's been ingrained in us that like hospital, 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 hospital. So many people, they don't know about their options of doulas and midwives. Like mm-hmm. this should be the standard. And also 85% of midwives today are white and it just doesn't reflect our diverse population. Even in a documentary, most of the women on the unit, the surgeons, mm-hmm. they're white women. And I know from experience when I did my, you know, my clinicals, it's a very, like, very white 
unit, like I remember pediatrics and labor and delivery, very white, very white. I know unlike the med surge unit and the ER, you will see more like people of color, but these pediatric units and also these labor and delivery still heavy white to this day. And it's like older white women, you know, hopefully it's changed, but it it didn't have like a welcoming vibe at all. Mm -hmm. So that's my experience, you know, as being trained. So I can just imagine like people of color coming in and people talking down to you, you know, just thinking, you know, they know everything or just the the microaggressions when you don't see someone looking like you. So if you listen to this podcast or, you know, a nursing student in the field or even someone interested in being like a doula, we definitely need more practitioners in this space just to change the look and the outcome that can make such a difference as well. Because it's crazy. Most of the granny midwives, the history of midwifery was founded in slavery and just how the field was just taken over by force, like how we're we're gonna arrest midwives who were, you know, trained from experience, apprenticeship of how to help women deliver babies who were supporting the mothers after birth, having that midwife there to support you and recognize what's going on. We we banned them here in this country. We were mm-hmm. arresting them so that surgeons could come and experiment on women. It's it's crazy. It's ridiculous. It really is. If you are enjoying this episode, you should consider buying us a coffee. Yes, a coffee. That small gesture will help us continue to create quality episodes and content. Click the Buy Me a Coffee link in the show notes or check out our website at distrustanddisparities.com. The last thing I want to touch on is just this whole theme of anti-traumatic care. Like, I believe having doulas, midwives, making it a partnership. One, starting with listening to the moms and what they want. And after they give birth, listening to their complaints and things like that. It can make such a difference. Mm -hmm. It's viewing everyone, especially Black birthing people as like human beings who deserve respect, who deserve full and complete care, not people who should be ignored or their complications, their symptoms taken lightly. Because mm-hmm. I even thinking back to Shamani, I remember one of the first things too that they pointed out when they ended up having to call 911 after she was having a severe complication due to her C-section. They had three sets of people ask, is she on drugs? Is she on drugs? Is she on drugs? And <sighs> it's that's racism because mm-hmm. it should take one time for this black mother and this black man, her partner, to tell you, my daughter, my my partner, she just had a C-section. And then you go from there. The fact that they repeatedly ask, is she on drugs, is, again, something mm-hmm. that black and brown people experience so much in this country, where you automatically go, like, oh, it, it must be it must be drugs. drugs. Right. That's your first assumption. It's first assumption. And then it's just like, and then you, because you're not seeing them as, human beings that deserve care you immediately are assuming 
the worst. You're assuming that they're disposable and that then you don't really have to give it your all to, to figure out what's wrong and help them. And that's, yeah, like you said, the theme is like, it, we're not being seen, we're not being heard. And that has to change. And a big part of that changing will be having people like us, people from our community in midwifery, mm-hmm. being doulas in, in the hospitals who will advocate for us, who will listen to us. Exactly. And everyone listening to this episode, please go and watch the documentary Aftershock. We watched it on Hulu, but there's other ways that you can watch it. We'll provide in our show notes and also on our website where you can go and watch the documentary. It just shed light on so many topics. I learned so much new information that I want to pull out and just dig deeper and just do like whole episodes on. I learned a lot from this documentary and I think everyone should watch it. Everyone should watch it as a family so that you can learn more about the birthing process and your options. And also, we wanted to point out there's ways that you can um, support those involved in the creation of this documentary. Some of the ways that you can donate to support the cause, just spread the word about what's going on with this Black maternal health crisis against our country. Like I said, you can follow the Aftershock documentary and watch that. That could be the first thing. And just also share your opinions, your thoughts. The next step, there's the Monibus Act. And that's to address the maternal health crisis in the U.S. So through policy changes, we can help to start make changes on these hospital units to get things done. Yeah, because it's unfortunately, even though, you know, hospitals, doctors, other staff, even though they are being made aware of these issues, if they're not forced to change some of them, they won't Mm -hmm. change. So it needs to happen on a federal level. It needs to happen through laws and regulations. There needs to be enforcement of things. Mm -hmm. There needs to be consequences for their actions because you can't have women constantly dying from preventable complications because you've refused to listen. That's unfair. Y'all went and snatched away the licenses of midwives. Like we should be snatching licenses of doctors and nurses if y'all don't know how to actually provide service and care to everybody in this country. That's what we need to start doing, snatching some licenses because Mm y'all just out here got people dying and then just go, oh, well, sorry. And that's it. That's that ain't it. That ain't enough. That'll never be enough. And so much needs to be done. But definitely look into the Monibus Act and reaching out to your senator about it because it needs to get passed and it needs to be a way that we have a federal protection for our community members because we shouldn't be dying through childbirth. We really shouldn't be, not at the rates that we are. Exactly. And there's other ways that you can, if you want to donate, Amber's partner He is trying to build a birthing center in the Bronx. You can make a donation to the birthing place. Shamani Gibson and her family, they have a foundation 
to support transformative maternal health activism in her memory. And that is the ARIA Foundation. And we'll drop links to all those foundations that they have formed in honor to raising awareness and advocacy about what's going on. And also just to be able to support events for families who have lost their loved ones, how to deal with their grief and the trauma that's going on. So we'll have all those links in our show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you would like to suggest a topic we should discuss or share your own personal story, email us at distrustanddisparities at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please rate, review, and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Distrust and Disparities and on Twitter at DistrustPod. Thank you.